You're listening to the drink special. Welcome to another episode of Drink Specials with Friends. On this week's show, Richard and I are so excited to have Diana Caffeine. Diana is an award winner, an actress, a filmmaker, a singer. The list goes on and on. We're excited to spend some time with Diana as she reflects with us, you know, what the last 12 months has looked like for her, how she's maneuvered through COVID, some of the lessons that she's picked up. Diana also shares with us some insight around, you know, why the arts are so important to our youth, to the future generations and the life skills that they pick up. Diana, we are so excited to have you on the show with us this week. Welcome to Drink Special. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us, Richard. Aren't we so, so excited for this one, eh? I, I was telling Diana before we, we started recording is I, I know Dave and I are both super excited. Diana's a professional. She she knows what she's doing. This is her like domain. So um, how <laughs> have you been? How's everything? Thank you. You're so sweet. I'm good. I'm I'm so happy to be here with you guys. <laughs> maybe, maybe a little background on how we know Diana. Diana was... A part of our high school crew, um, <laughs> went to St. Joe's in Mississauga. I remember Diana as always being talented, whether it was singing, dancing, acting, all of those things. That's what really, you know, stands out to me about Diana from, from high school. And, you know, following your career a bit now, I know you're still continuing on that path and doing a ton of different projects, which we'll discuss a little later. But you know, we're super excited to catch up. So let's get it started. Sounds great. Yeah. Thanks, Absolutely. Guys. So, you know, we have a little bit of a, a ritual here on the show. Before we jump into all the questions, we just want to make sure everyone's comfy, maybe with a drink. So, Diana, what you drinking? Well, at the moment, I'm drinking water. <laughs> yes. But as soon as this podcast is done, I'm going to be having a nice glass of wine. All right. All right. Stay hydrated. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Stay hydrated. Lately, I I don't know why, but I'm going through a phase where all I want is Moscato. I, I'm a big Prosecco fan. I like lychee martinis. Now I'm just all about the Moscato. I don't know what it is, but it's it's in my fridge right now, chilling, and I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> It's re- it sounds refreshing. It's, it, it is. It sounds refreshing. It is. And it's a little bit fruity. It's a little bit sweet, and but not too, too much. I love it. And, <laughs> and, and Richard, and Richard what, are, what are you drinking? Well, I, 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 for those of you that don't know, I, I travel to the Netherlands quite a bit uh, oh, for really? business. So I'm missing, I'm missing my, my trips to the Netherlands. So I'm having a Dutch beer, Grolsch, a nice Dutch Pilsner, kind of reminding me of my of my trips. So um, that's what I'm drinking tonight. Dave, what are you drinking? Well, um, I, I don't travel to the Netherlands, but when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, the drinks lately, you know, I've been going local. For our listeners out there, I think you guys have gone down this uh, journey with me. We've gone to Milton, to Brantford, a bunch of different places. This week, I'm actually drinking Nickel Brook Brewing. Uh, this flavor is the cause and effect. It's uh, it's one of their uh, it's one of their classical beers. It's fresh. I'm liking it. So uh, big shout outs to uh, the team at Nickelbrook. Good All beer. right. So we got Grolsch Musk- or water with a future Moscato and uh, someone from Nickel Nickel Nickelbrook. Yeah, Nickelbrook Nickel Brewing. Right. Yeah, nice. I, like I love it. So international. <laughs> Cheers, you guys. Cheers. All right, Diana. Like, tell us. Like, who is Diana, the artist and the entertainer? That's such a weird question. I, I'm sorry. I got to be honest. I don't know how to answer that. Like, 
Um, <laughs> I mean, I've always been performing my whole life. I mean, it just, it just was natural for me. I love making people smile and entertaining people, making people laugh. Um, I guess just who I am as an artist. I, I'm always, I'm always evolving. I'm always doing different. I mean, one day I'm doing this, the next day I'm doing that, you know, um, it's been uh, it's been a blessing to to get to train in many different arts and performing arts and also to work in them now in my career and it keeps things interesting for sure having lots of variety um, wearing different hats and it's, I feel like I'm my brain is constantly expanding and I'm, I'm never bored I'm constantly reinventing myself but yeah at the end of the day it's it's about other people so it's like the story that I'm telling them or somebody's story because somebody out there actually has this life that I get to play on camera for whatever the hour and a half movie length or whatever it is. And I kind of want to think of people out there who might actually be going through it and try to do justice to them. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's been weird being so isolated, but then at the same time creating within isolation it just, it's all about, it's all about connecting and being with people, touching people, moving them and, uh, and hopefully, yeah, entertaining them. I, I think I just love entertaining people. That's it. I love that. <laughs> no, I, I loved it. And actually, I think it kind of answered, you know, a bit of the next question, you know, why did you get into the industry? So I think what I heard in Diana, please keep me honest, you know, the reason why you do what you do is because you love making people happy. You know, getting that smile, you know, on um, on the folks that are watching you, listening to you, that satisfaction that you see in the faces of those that are, you know, going to your shows or, you know, watching your, your, your programs. Is that really why you're in the industry? Is that what, you know, kind of why you remain in the industry? Yeah, I think so. I think you nailed it. I think it's for the audiences. It's for the, it's for the people. So give people a break from all of the stresses of life and just let them go into a little mini fantasy world for a minute and just, you know, enjoy the sweetness. But if it's, um, you know, if it's like a supernatural thriller, then hopefully we scared the crap out of them. And they were like <laughs> gasping, you know, like, like they gasp at the end. And, you know, there's like all that kind of, you know, so it, people, I mean, tell me, tell me if you agree with me or not. Right. We, we consume so much stuff, films, TV shows. We, we binge watch nowadays so much, right? We, we consume content every day and we do it because we get something out of it. We get some kind of thrill or some emotional that we experience or, or it just turns our brain off and we just forget about the world for a minute, forget about our responsibilities. And, and it's, that, it's that refresh or reset. So depending on what job I'm doing, I'm going to be fulfilling one of those functions for, for the audience, hopefully in a way that makes them want to come back, wants them to see my, my performances again, or want to follow my journey. You know, I, I always, I always think like we kind of get attached to the artists that right. we admire the most and we want to follow their journey. I, I'm that way with, with the artists that I really admire and look up to. So um, yeah, so, it, so the cool thing is like when you become friends with people because they meet you through your art. That's amazing. It's all about, it's all about relationships, yeah. right? And, you know, building relationships while working and doing something you're passionate about is an added bonus, right? It's amazing. You know, obviously in, in acting, entertaining, um, there's a lot of 
competition out there for you and and for roles and and, you know you have to audition and things like that like what what makes you know diana caffini different um than um you know some of the people you may be going up against uh for a certain role or a casting call or or whatever yeah i mean that's such a good question and honestly that is a question that every actor is having to continually ask themselves and answer for themselves like as as an actor you are kind of um reevaluating what that is often like more than once a year for sure as you're as you're growing as an artist you know if people have big changes in their appearance you know it's always shifting so for me i mean the thing is i mean i believe that each and every artist is truly unique and there's there there are no duplicates and i think every actor has to believe that like i am unique and there and there is something that is essentially me that no other actor will bring to the role and we have to believe that otherwise we would quit because it's crazy yeah. <laughs> it's a crazy <laughs> the numbers are nuts right so <laughs> yeah um yeah. something that i I will say I do pride myself on is my work ethic. So the um the time and and effort and attention to detail that I'll put into my auditions. Um I imagine a lot of actors are are doing that too, of course, but I know I know that when I deliver a self-tape audition because nowadays with COVID everything is self-recorded or so, we call it a self-tape and sent electronically and when i when i send something i will only send it if i am 100% convinced that i did it to the very best of my ability with the time that i had and i get like super detail oriented i i try to turn them basically into little mini movies like i i pay attention to everything to the audio to the audio mixing everything because um i never know who's going to be watching that audition i mean i i know who's casting it I know on paper who the director and producers may be, but beyond that, I mean th- there could be other people who see it and it could be the gateway to not only the opportunity I'm going for, which is obviously what I want, but a myriad of other possibilities that I I don't even know about, right? Because so often artists are inspired by something and they come back and tell you later. I've actually had that. It's the highest compliment that anyone could give me is when someone comes and says you know you didn't you don't know this but you inspired me to write this thing and now I've written it and now it's it's got development funding and I'm actually looking to we're we're actually looking to go into production I'm going to be coming back to you about it because because we're we're making this thing and I had you in mind when I wrote it you know like when things like wow. that like what like what because that's the thing when you yeah. whenever i put anything out there i try to make it the best it can be because again it's going out into the universe and who knows where it's going to land right so that's that's something yeah. that i don't know if it I'm, makes I'm, me different because i again i imagine a lot of professionals that i know you know colleagues uh peers of mine are are doing the same kind of level of <laughs> of hustle you know but um uh, anyway yeah, that's yeah. that's that's my answer <laughs> but that's a bit of a that's a great lesson because i think what, what you're saying is like you never know mm-hmm. who's watching you're auditioning or or even you know a current movie or something you never know who's watching that that'll give you yes. another chance and, and really like your work right so that's uh you're always basically yes. auditioning even when you oh, have a absolutely. job absolutely you know what that's so smart what you just said 
that we're always auditioning even when we have a job. That is, you you just nailed that. That is so yeah. true. Yeah, That's the line. That's the line of the day, Richard. You're, yeah. You are always auditioning even if you're working. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Diana, you wear so many hats, right? You're a filmmaker. You're an actress. You're a singer. How has COVID put you in a position where now you've had to pivot, right? Whether it's how you approach those different hats that you wear, you know, you know, can you walk us through the last 12, 14 months and how life is a little different for you? Absolutely. Yeah. It's so fascinating, really. So, I mean, of course there are, there are negatives and that's not going to be a shock to anybody. Um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for example, films or TV shows that were green lit, fully funded, pre-production, ready to roll, and then getting shut down, right? For example. But the people in this business in the film and tv business man oh man like these people we adapt so fast so fast adapting to the safety protocols just making it work you know everything was basically shut down for two to three months and then we knew what we were doing and it was like balls to the wall you know it was crazy like i i filmed a i filmed a movie in august which was um actually a Christmas movie that came out in November. And yeah, everything was different. Everything was different, but we made it work. Safety became the absolute number one priority, safety and health. But we were all so grateful to be working. We were so willing to do all the extra steps. And some of those things that now are, are essential because of the pandemic, I actually think are beneficial to the process of making films. And some of them I think we're gonna keep. Um, also like just for me personally, so let's just say me um, in the day to day. So basically like being an auditioning actor is kind of like operating a business, right? And half of my auditions, about half, maybe 60% of my auditions would be in person in the room and maybe 40 to 50% were self-taped. And I used to go to a studio, a casting studio, book a, book a, a studio for for a half hour 45 minute or hour slot depending on how big the audition material was to learn and, and tape and I would pay and it was expensive and I remember asking myself at one point like wow like if if these self tapes become more the norm how am I going to sustain this because it's so expensive right, right. and we right. audition exponentially more than we will ever book because that's just how it works those are the numbers and so I was like, wow, like, I don't know, like, how am I going to sustain this? Well, because of COVID then, you couldn't have your reader, someone reading the other part of, you know, of the audition in the, in the room with you, right? Everyone's isolating. I couldn't go to a studio, right? I couldn't have that studio person edit and package it and send it. I had to learn how to do all of that. I had to learn some new skills, but I'm so happy wow. because very quickly within a couple of months, it was liberating how fully self-sufficient I became. And then those editing skills, like even like not just editing the film and edit and editing the, the sound cues and, and all of that kind of stuff, you know, color correcting and stuff like that. I've used those skills now with all kinds of stuff, like to promote myself. And and you know, you you mentioned earlier you're always auditioning, even when you're even when you're working, um, when you're when you're filming the with a movie role or the TV role, you're doing it to the best of your ability, in part because you're hoping it's a stepping stone to to something else, right? But even um, social media. So 
in the very first month or two of, of the lockdown of, of COVID, um, I said, well, I always kind of wanted to learn how to be better with social media. I guess now's the moment. And so I started like reading articles every day and studying really successful Instagram accounts and stuff like that. And, and then um, a friend of mine who is a, a communications and social media guy who became like my guru, he, he just like volunteered to help me in the beginning. And um, so I started really trying to build actively my profile, my presence. And the funny thing is people are are watching that just as much. So the efforts that I put mm -hmm. into the social media and utilizing those editing skills and stuff to really um, take clips from, from, you know, various things in my body of work and, and put them together and package them and post them in these very uh, planned, curated ways. It started reaching casting directors that hadn't seen me before or that hadn't seen me in a long time. And then they were like, I didn't know you could do that. Oh my God, Diane, I didn't know you could sing or wow, I didn't, you know. And then they started sending me auditions more. Recently, Amazing. I had um, a film exec uh, who started following me on LinkedIn and contacted me on LinkedIn and then, con and then contacted me on Facebook. And now we're talking about working together on future movies. And so, you know, like, so all of these Amazing. things, so... Yeah. Um, I, no matter how terrible a situation is, I really survive in life <laughs> by looking for the silver linings. That is the way I have gotten through every, every difficult phase of my life. And obviously the pandemic is, is no, no different than that. And so it was like, okay, what are the hidden opportunities for me inside of this terrible situation? You know, because I can't always fixate on the problem or, you know, be overwhelmed with the suffering in the world. And I, I, I can't, I can't think about that 24 seven. I have to, I still have to be productive. I still have to be creative. I still have to stay me and stay sane. And so, so what's good about this? What can I, how, how can I make use of, the, of this, you yeah. know? And, and so right. I've been very lucky and I thank God every day that I've had amazing opportunities inside of the past year. Really, I, I appreciate every single one of them. You've earned those opportunities, though, at the same time. And, and you've taken Thanks. advantage of them. So kudos thank to you. you. And there's something that you said there, right? You know, you look at it as, you know, owning your own business. And absolutely, right? Like you're an entrepreneur, right? And one of the things that Richard and I look for when we bring guests on and we've had, you know, a few guests on, the folks that we want on the show are those entrepreneurs, are those people that, you know, they're presented with obstacles, COVID, you know, arguably one of the bigger ones we've ever, if not the biggest one we've gone through in our in our lifetime. And you make the best of it. So and what we're hearing here is, you know, that didn't stop the Diana train, right? She learned new skills. She picked up new skills. Richard and I are following your social. Your social game is on point. Maybe that's a good segue to where can people follow you? Well, Drop you can it right, follow me right on now. Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter, on Facebook. I have a a business page on Facebook as well. All of them are the same handle, the same name, just to make life easy. It's my first name and my last name, all lowercase. Super easy. Diana Cofini. That's it. I love it. <laughs> one, one comment I did want to make, the, the movie you were in, the Christmas movie that you filmed in August, is that is that Dashing yes! Home for Christmas? <laughs> yeah, so here's a little here's a here's a little secret to the drink specials uh, fans out there. So, uh, so my wife Julie, she's a big. Uh, can I put can I put the can I put that movie under the romantic yeah, comedy 100%. genre? 
yeah okay so she's big on romantic comedies especially when you know it involves christmas so i'm always uh, i'm always with her and watching a ton of different movies uh during uh during uh you know during our off time whenever we don't have the kids we're with we're working i watched it i'm like hey i know diana you, you were so good in it oh, it was a good movie you. i very much enjoyed thank it so much yeah it's it's a super cute story very well written script and i i had a blast it was it was so much fun and i got to be super pregnant like nine and a half months pregnant yeah so they gave me this amazing <laughs> prosthetic belly it was so realistic it felt so real it was so it was heavy so i had to like support my lower back the bottom of it was like digging into my pelvis and pushing on my bladder like i was like this is so perfect like this is gonna this is making me act pregnant without my even having to fake it like it was so real and also it was august and also because of covid i had extra layers for like sanitary right so it was so hot, so I was like sweating the whole time. So I'm like, this is perfect. I have that pregnancy glow. I have like, you know, I, I had to, I was walking like I was a pregnant lady. I was sitting like a pregnant person. I was like getting up and out of chairs like a pregnant person. There were people in the crew that didn't know me that were actually asking, did they hire, did they actually hire a pregnant woman? Because that's, <laughs> you can't do that. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a risk for production yeah. to hire someone who's actually pregnant. I mean, it's fine if, like, you know, um, Gal Gadot was actually four months pregnant when she filmed Wonder Woman, but <laughs> it was so sweet. Like working on films like that's that amazing. are so good for the soul because it's just, it's like a palate cleanse, you know? Thank you for watching. Do you have a kind of role type that you usually go for oh. or you're tailor-made for you know I, and obviously i don't know much about the industry but you know vin diesel is never going to be in a romantic comedy right? never like say never a, shoot him up <laughs> he's an action guy right but like do you have a role type that has kind of been your, your kind of bread and butter or are you you know you, you can kind of roll with the punches and do anything so i've played a huge range for sure a lot of a lot of leads so usually with leads there is a romantic um element the last two movies that i filmed i was the sister who is like one or two years older than the lead and is the most like super supportive sister <laughs> so because that has just happened <laughs> literally the last two movies in a row i that's almost becoming a, a niche for me but I, I'm hoping it, it won't stay that way like I you know but yeah I've done I've done like the sort of damsel in distress the ingenue I've done like sort of the more powerhouse character who has authority but maybe is conflicted you know I've done I, I mean as an as an actor part of what makes it so exciting in such a cool career path is that you get to live many, 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 many life, lives or lifetimes in one life. Like you get to taste test or test drive all these lifestyles and, and stories and sides of yourself, imaginary or, you know, remembered, you know, because often you're drawing from, from real life experience. Um, but one of the mm -hmm. things that I feel is a huge forte that I've have not been able to do much yet in film and TV. Like I did it a lot in theater school, but um, 
and I and I have done some in theater since being out of university for sure, but not much in film and TV. Only one, I, I had a very small appearance on the show Rain. And other than that, I haven't really done any period stuff that has a lot of period movement, dialect work, sort of heightened voice work. That for me, that's like, I mean, I love period stuff and I love all the periods. I mean, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, all of that. Um, but anything that's sort of classical really excites me um, because I'm classically trained, right? So like anyone who studied Shakespeare and did that, did that kind of stuff, it always calls to you. You, you always hope you'll get to do it. Like a, a huge dream, like bucket list, wish list thing would be to do a beautiful Shakespeare adaptation for film. And I mean, I would just die. I would just die to do that. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. So jumping ahead, you have a first memory of acting or a favorite memory uh, yeah, um, um, that you, you can draw upon? Am I allowed to see a few? Or I kind of went for a few minutes down memory lane. So thank you. <laughs> um, so many wonderful memories in theater school, like in um, acting conservatory. Special memory was also... Um, with the Canadian Stage Company. That was an amazing production to be a part of, amazing cast. Um, it was very much a, a collective show, an ensemble show, played many, many different characters, which was really cool and so much fun. And it was a period show, so I loved that. And, and we also got invited to perform an excerpt of the show on CBC Radio. There was singing in the in the show at Cannes Stage, so, so we sang on, on the radio and... So that, like, that's a really fond memory. There's, um, there's a short film I did about two years ago now um, where I starred opposite a fellow Jada actor, Francesco Antonio. Jada is my, is my talent agency, Jenna Abrams Talent Agency. So we, we had so many laughs, the set of Love, Sarah, even though it's a, it's a drama. But um, it was a wonderful cast and crew, amazing director, Laura Norton. Yeah, really good mix. We had we had gender parity. We had um, equal male to female ratio of cast and crew, and, and everyone was just having so much fun. Um, but as a producer, like as a filmmaker, um, speaking at the United Nations and also at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights with with my documentary, um, those are some memories that honestly I think will carry me right right till my deathbed like truly amazing moments um um strictly acting if i if i had to pick one moment it would be the first stage play i did which i was in high school and it was a production of you are here by daniel mciver who's a canadian playwright and um, my friend Nick May was directing it. And it was the first real play that I did in front of an audience that, you know, didn't have any music or dancing or, you know, it didn't have any of the musical components. And it was a drama and it's, and it's a pretty heavy show. Um, the themes are very heavy. It's, there's a lot of darkness there. And it found me at a moment in my life where I, I was going through a very dark moment. And somehow I connected with the material. You know, at that moment, I was like not connecting anymore with singing and dancing. Like sort of the light had gone off in a way. And then the craziest thing was, it was suddenly like this door opened to a room in my house 
that I never knew existed. And I, it was like I walked into this other world and I experienced the power of the playwright's words and me in the audience. And this is going to sound cheesy, but it, it was really spiritual for me. There was something so magical about it that that, cha- that moment changed me. And that's when I knew I was going to go into acting because up until that point, I wanted to go into musical theater. I wanted to go into opera. You know, I trained super heavily, even throughout most of theater school. I, I was training uh, daily uh, with, with opera teachers, but it was that turning moment. I don't know the connection I felt wherever the words were coming from, let's call it the divine and coming through me and to the audience hearing the audience, feeling presence, um, and really just the character, like telling that, just living out what that character was, was trying to achieve, was trying to figure out. I had, I had cast members, um, and so playing with them and, but it was just, it was just us and the word and the audience. And that was it. And I, I swear I have never since been able to shake this acting thing. <laughs> That's amazing. So what's going on with, you know, with, with music? I think one of the things that I remember from, from uh, the high school days, but your voice oh, was thanks. ridiculous. You could hit every note. Like there was so much power behind it, right? So I actually w- was curious coming on to this interview, like, is there more music coming Aww. from the Diana Caffini? You're, you make me sound so much better than I am, but uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. So I've been singing always, just sometimes not daily, like depending on how heavy my workload was with whatever project I was doing. But like I, I, I sing opera around the house. Um, that's like, my heart needs that. <laughs> and, uh, and I do perform yeah. fairly regularly. Um, but for small groups, um, I have like recorded some music along the way I've sung in theater productions and musicals. Um, but there is something actually coming up. So yeah. So, <laughs> mm. so I recorded um, a, a cover of a, of a jazz standard uh, a few years ago. Um, it's a song called You and the Night and the Music. Uh, the song is from 1934. It's a, it's a, it's a jazz standard. And um, I just, I don't know, I fell in love with the song. I, I wanted to kind of do my own arrangement of it. I did it less swung and a bit slower, almost samba but not quite and um was able to team up with this incredible guitarist so he's he's a pretty famous jazz guitarist uh, certainly on the canadian scene his name is andrew jacob scott he's also on instagram so he plays the guitar on the track and um anyway um on may the 7th i'm going to be one of the featured artists on this um cool program the show is called I Love Music. It's hosted by this really cool uh, recording artist in his own right and, and um, who goes by the name No Comparison. No Comparison created and created this program and, and, and hosts it. Uh, and it's just in its infancy. So I'm, I'm going to be episode two on May the 7th. I'm one of, one of the people on it. And they're going to feature the song. So you can listen to the song. I'm going to be plugging it also on my Instagram. And I do have a little video with the song also that people can watch if they want. But um, yeah, so it's um, it's kind of fun when, when these things pop up because it just, no matter what I do, music always seems to be a part of my life. And I'm always so grateful for that. Anytime, yeah, anytime I get to sing or be a part of something musical it, it just warms my heart because as you know i it, i go it goes all the way back you should look at you know maybe a, a, a an ep or 
five or six songs because I think there's something there if you put some tracks out because I think people will absolutely listen to your voice. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, maybe I better add that to my list. So Mm. maybe switching gears a little and really thinking about kind of the future artists, the future entertainers, the future, uh, you know, actors and actresses and singers, you know, um, what are your thoughts around, you know, how important arts is to the youth, right? Uh, to their development. I know my son, so my son's six years old. He loves dancing. He loves music and he loves, you know, the arts. So I'm trying to get him into some programs. You know, do you have any thoughts there around the importance of, you know, why, the, you know, the future generation should be participating in those kind of programs? Um, and then it's a two-part question. Do you have any advice for like the future artists? Thank you so much for asking that. So for the first part of the question, which is why is it important for children and youth to be introduced to the arts and to be encouraged to participate in the arts, right? So for that, well, there's a famous saying now, I can't remember offhand who said it. I'll have to check. It's a famous artist who said that all children are born artists um, and then life kind of beats it out of them, so to speak. But just like sports, like any activities that call to the child, any any activity that the child is curious to explore, I think it's absolutely wonderful because it's all an expression of this unique little soul's mind and heart and hidden talents and potential that we don't know because they're still little, right? And and um, we never really know what they could contribute to the world by nurturing the talents and the skills that they would be developing for a drama class or for piano lessons or whatever it is that will then help them to actualize themselves as adults, whether that be in the arts or not. I mean, there's data, there's data that shows that children who study piano and study music theory are better at math. Um, you know, the, the brain is amazing in the way that all of those different sides and skills uh, work together. You know, um, people that are um, studying music tend to be good in linguistics, tend to be good with languages. Um, I've always been really lucky with languages. And, and I, I don't think it's a, it's a coincidence that I'm musical and verbal by trade <laughs> and that I'm good with languages like, because I think those things are related, you know. Um, I think the arts, um, I think children should be encouraged to be in the arts. And then, you know, if the kid hates it, okay, no problem. Like they can do something else, but they can be encouraged to pursue the arts, right. to find something artistic that they love, that they enjoy doing. Um, it helps them to understand the creative process, which is all about nurturing, which is about starting with, with a seed and then, you know, adding to it, adding colors, adding watering the seed and developing something and at the end they've created something and they can look at it they can say i made that you know like children do this i'm sure you guys uh would know even better than i do they're like i made this for you daddy or i made this for you i drew this for you you know it they understand that when they are making something with their mind and their spirit and their hands or whatever it is that 
they are making it for someone. And, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, which is everything I do is for my audiences, right? That's what it is. They learn that sense of, I have something inside me that I could express, that I could offer that will make someone else feel good. They will take that with them into business. They will take that into interviews. They will, um, you know, they'll believe in their ideas when they're writing those essays, you know, it's it, it all works together. As adults, I don't think anyone can say that they would have made it through the past year of lockdown and uncertainty and stress yeah. and fear mm -hmm. and all kinds of other things without artists, without the arts. Could you have survived one day exactly. without the arts? I honestly, I don't think anyone could, whether it was music or a book or a movie or a show Amen. or a YouTube video that somebody yeah. artfully created, right? You know, that artists made and thank God for them because otherwise, what the heck? We would have gone crazy by now. Who knows, right? I think the arts are yeah. not only essential to our survival and like our day-to-day -day survival and our survival as a species, I think they're essential for society, for us as human beings to connect. Because even though we're all watching these movies in our little isolation bubbles, we're all talking about Bridgerton. You know, we're all talking about The Bachelorette or we're talking, mm -hmm. we we're like, did you see that? Oh my God, when he said, I burn for you. And it was like, oh my God. I burn for you. It's like, yeah. I'm going to die right now. Just <laughs> because we connect over it. We need each other. Now, soon, hopefully, we'll return to actually being in the cinema, being in the theater, being at the concert venue, mm -hmm. being at the uh, at the Rogers Center, you know? But yes. for now, it still connects us. And that that's why we need it. And then the second part, I'll make this this part short, but the second part of your question, <laughs> the second part of your no, question no, was keep it going. Um, advice to people actually trying to make a career of it, right? Like either entering the career or newly in the career. That's where yes. they're young, young in their in their journey. Well, my God, there's I mean, there's so much that could be said there, and it really should be on a case by case basis, depending on who the artist is and what they want to do, and you know. But I would say dream of the types of projects you want to make. Think of who is currently or has in the past made projects similar to that and study their trajectory. You may not be able to follow in their footsteps because things change, you know, the landscape is changing every six months, let alone, you know, what someone did, you know, my what my heroes did 10 years ago, 50 years ago, the people that I that I look up to. But if we study their journey closely right. enough, there are always clues. There are always clues to their success. And so that is that is the if I have to give just one piece of advice, it's that. It's figure out what kind of art you want to create and and what kind of impact, you know, what scale of art you want to create. And then try to follow in the footsteps if you can of people who have done that or similar to that you know what were the steps they took to get there and if you can follow those steps or study those steps um then you can stand on the shoulders of of their greatness and hopefully not have to learn every lesson the hard way but the truth is you will learn a lot of things the hard way and and the biggest thing is everything they don't teach you in school, in conservatory, in classes, 
that you'll learn in the real world on the job. First, you have to be really good at the craft. Otherwise, you don't even get to set foot on the stage or in the rehearsal hall, etc. But once you get there, that's where you're going to be surprised at the things you had no idea were going to be the actual job, like the things that things that you weren't expecting. And so you're going to always be learning, but it's worth it. Amazing. That, that, oh, thanks, that was guys. the best answer I think I, you could have given. I hope it inspires the future. And obviously, Dave and I, with young families, yeah. it, it makes you think, right? Let's let's give them some exposure. Obviously, it's been hard this year, but exposure to the arts, mm. exposure to dance and acting and singing programs. Uh, it teaches discipline. Discipline is key because at the end of the day, we shape our lives based on how well we can control ourselves, how we control our thinking, our emotions, and, and our daily actions and our habits, right? So the discipline, if we can build that self-discipline of, no, I have to practice. Yeah. I have to practice this until I get it right. I have to practice for at least a half hour today or I have to, you know, that discipline, like with, you know, I see my nephews in soccer and their keep-ups, you know, it's always like, how many keep-ups can I do? That's discipline. That's repetition, right? Mm. And it doesn't, it, it's not, it doesn't sound glamorous. It doesn't sound exciting, but it's, yeah. it's essential, I think, yeah. to building a really whole, complete, self-sufficient adult, you know, a responsible adult. So more, more of a fun question. Pick what one. is your favorite movie of all oh time oh my god i can't i can't i can't i could give you like Being can, the I, whole time, can right? i sort like of that? sidestep that question for a moment my favorite show i can actually say that the marvelous mrs mazel mrs mazel mrs mazel who gives a toast at her own wedding i do <laughs> i love this man and yes there is shrimp in the egg rolls oh, rabbi she's kidding we could be downtown people, close to the clubs. I thought you wanted to be a cool chick. I could be a cool chick with a doorman and a Calvinator Fooderama refrigerator, can't I? Yes, you can. And I can literally watch that front to back, go hop around the seasons, rewatch episodes. Like, I just love that show. Anyway, it won my heart. So I love that show. I would, I would kill to be on that show. It is flawless. And I have watched it like a hawk. I mean, I could go go on and on about it, so I'm not. Okay. I'm gonna stop. It's on the list. When you're after you've watched it, how much you love it, please. So we can so we can gush together and we can just bond over how much we love the show. I will for sure. I, I would. I you know what, Richard? I would love to have Diana on on an episode where we. So so Richard and I, you know, and we're we're testing the waters with different things, right? So actually, you know, our first episode we were talking about The Bachelor. We were talking about Temptation Island. We were getting into like TV shows, reality TV. We've talked about different movies, right? I would love Richard to have Diana on one of those shows. First of all, I need the expert opinion Aww. of Diana, I think, when it comes to some of these shows. Because, hey, if it wasn't for you, yeah. I wouldn't have heard of this show, right? So I'm going to sure. check it out. Okay. And, 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 and cool. hopefully I get into it. And then we have something to talk about, right? So, Richard. Um, yeah, I love Richard, it. what show are you watching right now? The third season Very of Ozark. Yes. Good show. It's a good show. Netflix show. You know, I'm not one of those people who could, um, you know, binge watch. I like to, <laughs> you know, one episode here, another episode there. My wife doesn't wait for me. I think she finished Ozark like eight months ago. I'm right now oh. knee deep into uh, Snowfall, so I don't know. Oh. I think Richard, you've watched it. Yeah, we're on a we're on an episode a day. 
Like we've watched, there's four seasons. We've watched like three seasons in the last probably three weeks. We're addicted. It's so good. So good. Very cool. Well, can I can I plug a couple of things? Please, Please do. watch yes. my feature length documentary that never happened. I was told that it never happened. I learned about how thousands of Ukrainians and other Europeans were unjustly imprisoned, not because of any wrong they had done, but only because of who they were, where they had come from. These sites are spread all across our country, from Nanaimo, British Columbia, to Amherst, Nova Scotia. This large displacement of Ukrainian Canadians from 1914 to 1920 affected our community for decades. 106 of them in the internment camp operations did go mentally insane. And I think it would be a very difficult thing for anybody to be stuck in that situation and not have some play on, am I ever going to be free again? Imagine spending a 12 hour day in the forest, cleaning brush now in the summer mosquitoes in the winter when your clothes get wet and there you are coming back to a, a camp that's barely insulated. It's really something that this story is finally coming out and it's still having a hard time coming out. It was so well hidden. How do you take people's hopes and dreams and the courage to come to a new country and then do that? It is a story ultimately that is one that we need to remember. It has to be told and retold to our children and our children's children because it is a story of rights. And we need to tell that story so that other generations will be in effect responsible for carrying on the idea that unless we are prepared to defend those rights, we may very well suffer the same fate. That never happened, Canada's first national internment operations. And this is on iTunes. Um, it is also on CBC Docs periodically. It had a it had a very good CBC broadcast premiere after a full um, theatrical release, which is pretty rare and like almost unheard of for a documentary. And we we went to number three on the Canadian box office, which again very rare for a documentary. Um, prior to that, we went to the United Nations Amazing. with it. Um, prior to that, a year of film festivals, so lots of awards, got to travel all over North America to festivals. And, and the project itself is filmed all across Canada, about 45 locations in Canada. Beautiful. Um, and the subject matter is serious. Um, it's about a, a chapter of Canadian history that was swept under the rug. And actually, um, it was burned. So what happened initially was later hidden by, by the government. So in 1914, World War I erupted. And from 1914 until 1920, over 8,500 people were wrongfully imprisoned in camps, in internment camps across Canada, not for anything they had done, just simply because of who they were and where they came from. Most of them being of countries from the Austro-Hungarian Empire. No, mostly Ukrainians and and um, and there were some German and Austrian okay. um, prisoners of war. But but the internees, the people who were civilians that were then robbed of their freedom, put into these work camps. These were these were civilians. These were laymen. These were just immigrants who came because they were in search of a better life. So crazy story. 
Now, fast forward in the 1940s, Canada has changed dramatically. Uh, fast forward again a little bit more, a few more years, and now uh, the government in 1954 decides to destroy all of the public records on the internment that happened in World War I. So kind of crazy, yeah. Um, they removed it from history books. Wow. So it wasn't until much, much later, around 1980, when a couple of historians and scholars started finding these pieces of information and then started compiling, compiling the history from newspapers, from museums, from, from all over the world, and, and starting to amass what they realized was re this really big, huge sweeping event um again all of world war one but it, it even continued for two years after that because it was so lucrative to have all this free slave labor that's how much of of um alberta and you know parts of canada got built you know railways uh roadways and and whatnot so crazy um now these these kind of few good men and women started working to recollect the the pieces of history that had been strewn about and um then they started contacting the the affected communities the descendants and then that started a, a wave and it started building momentum and these people stuck with it for 25 years <laughs> and the government the federal government acknowledged it and wow. then put it in legislation put it back in the history books it's only really since 2011 that it's being taught. So it's still very much an unknown piece of our history, but it was um, truly the greatest honor of my life thus far, uh, dedicating several years to this story um, with my ex-husband, with many wonderful people. Uh, it, it was a huge team effort and uh, we created a web series, uh, a documentary series that people can watch for free on YouTube. It's called The Camps. My name's Andrea Malish. I'm an internee descendant and I've made it my mission to educate Canadians about Canada's first national internment operations of 1914 to 1920. We're here at Swansea Point, Six Mile uh, internment camp at Mirror Lake. And it's a really beautiful spot where families get to enjoy their resort area out on this beautiful beach. It's hard to believe that this was an internment camp. There are two seasons, a total of 33 episodes. It's been viewed in 174 countries around the world because uh, YouTube has that amazing function where it can translate, right? The feature-length documentary is truly my, my pride and joy. One of the things I'm most proud of, please watch it. It's an inspiring story because it's it not just sure. about the, the sad yeah. things that happened. It's also a, a story sure. of victory of, of these incredible people that brought this to light. And all of the healing that has taken place because of it has been incredible. So it's called That Never Happened. It's on iTunes. Um, and then another thing you can watch if you want to watch me on screen, because um, you won't see me and that never happened, that's for sure. Um, I was behind the camera, but um, you can watch me in a short film called Copenhagen Road. It's a supernatural thriller. Is this a 66? I don't know. It is mine. I used to have one, just like it. Same color and everything. I was driving down Copenhagen Road. Copenhagen. 
That's a bad spot for this to happen. It's quiet out there. Lonely. I didn't hit anybody. Um, we screened in festivals on five continents. Tons and tons of awards and nominations um, in, in large part due to the amazing director wow. at the helm, Lee Chambers. Um, of course, any film is a big team effort, but Lee is brilliant. He's absolutely amazing. So it's called Copenhagen Road. I, I got a few um, nods and awards for, for my acting in it, which was very nice. Um, and then Dashing Home for Christmas will come out before Christmas this year. And also this year, um, my most recent wow, role is a drama thriller that's going to air on Lifetime. Um, I'm not allowed to say the title just yet. I'm not allowed to really go into it, but um, it's a really powerful story. My character is a sister who is very successful and intelligent in her own right. She's a cardiologist, um, very successful, but uh, really the heart and soul of, of the show, of the film, is, is the bond between the two sisters. And my sister is the lead character. And I, uh, my character, basically, I would, I would go to hell and back for my sister. And maybe I do, spoiler alert. But again, there's a happy ending. So don't, don't despair. Watch it. Watch it when it comes out. Um, if you follow me on socials, um, I'll be able to share more info soon. Yeah, and um, and I might be returning to Ottawa. I, this film that's going to Lifetime, I, I filmed in Ottawa in the month of February. I'm. It looks like I'm going to be returning in June to film another movie there. Um, not yet allowed to say um, exactly what it is. Um, this one I have a bit of a smaller part, but a really fun part. So I'm I'm excited for it. <laughs> That's oh, and one last thing You're I should busy. mention. You're um, busy. So I, uh, I'm part of this um, star startup company. It's called Winks. It's an amazing company created by a brilliant chiropractor and doctor. And he hired me, uh, Dr. Will hired me to, uh, to write and direct and produce some of the video content that is going to be part of their official launch. So the company is called Winks. Um, it's, it's created by a, a chiropractor, very, very, um, well-respected in the international chiropractic community. He's brilliant. And he has created, um, basically the best way to hack your sleep. So, um, it's a pillow that is fully customizable to you. Um, you, you, tailor it to your own needs um, and it's all designed to perfectly support your head, neck and spine, no matter what size and shape you are, no matter what sleep issues you may have. It's, it's super cool. I believe in it, otherwise I wouldn't have done it. And because the video content that you'll be seeing is, is directed by yours truly. So, um, so, so look out for that. And if you want to get, a, get behind it, it, you know, it's a Canadian startup company um, world-class quality, oh, cool. uh, in terms of the product itself. Um, as, as far as we know, it's the first of its kind on the market. So that's always exciting. And I, I just love supporting Canadian entrepreneurs, Canadian businesses. I know you guys believe in that on, on this show. So I wanted to mention that as well. Dr. Will, founder of Winks. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. You will be able to get your Winx pillow. You'll be one of the first in the world to receive it yeah, if you amazing. get on board. Very affordable too. Like I don't know how on earth it's that affordable. Like it should be. It should be way. way love more. it. So. I love it. And that's all for me. I'm done plugging stuff. <laughs> well, well, on behalf of Dave and myself. This was so much fun catching up with you, learning about your journey, learning about I'm waiting for Dashing Home for Christmas coming out in November 2020. Just in time, just in time. One, I'm excited to watch. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and again, for everyone that wants One to right follow back. all Thank the you. amazing work that Diana is doing in front of the camera, behind the camera. There's so many different things that Diana's, you know, involved in. Uh, and and to keep me honest, it's at D-I-A-N-A-C-O-F-I-N-I. That's it. Follow her. Trust me, the content is on point. And uh, again, there's so many different things and different projects and different hats that Diana's wearing. So you guys are uh, the best. She's going through. No, you're the All best. Right. Let's do this <laughs> again Diana. soon. We will, we will, we will, we will, we will, we will, we will.